From WCLV Classical 1049 Idea Stream, I'm Program Director Bill O'Connell and your host of I'm Robert Conrad, a podcast of stories from Robert's 70 years in radio. And counting. <laughs> and counting. We last left Sagebrush Bob in picturesque Kankakee, Illinois. Today, Robert is in Hawaii, and the Schlitz hits the silk. So, Robert, did your broadcasting career take a detour when you were in Hawaii, or, or was, it, was it a path to uh, future greatness? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was draft time, and I knew that I was going to have to go into the military in one form or another while I was in college. I had a deferment. I ran across a reserve unit in Chicago called the 305th Radio Broadcasting and Leaflet Battalion. (laughs) And I said, aha, I joined them. Now, are you brave enough to mention a year in connection with all this? This would have been 1954. Okay. 1954. Just for context, I was three I was in long enough in the reserve to get the rank of corporal, but I knew as soon as I graduated from college, from Northwestern, that I would uh, be hearing from the draft board. What I could do in the reserves is control when I went in to active duty in the military, and that I did. I went in, uh, graduated in June of uh, 55, and then went in October of 55 to basic training at Fort Leonard Wood. That's where you learn to be a soldier. But it was helpful because I had the rank of corporal, and so I didn't have to go on KP, which which was good. So so at one point, you were a mean, lean fighting machine. Is that right? Not quite yet. (laughs) Oh, okay. not Not until I went to what I call red tape school, which is how to be a company clerk. So you were Radar O'Reilly. Yes. From MASH. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. That's great. Uh, And that was at Fort Bragg. In the meantime, the 305th Radio Broadcasting and Leaflet Battalion had been writing to the Pentagon and saying, hey, this guy's in the pipeline. He should be assigned to the Cy War Center uh, at Fort Bragg. It turns out that's what happened. But at the Dread Tape School, as I called it, I learned how the system worked, what forms you fill out to get certain things to happen. Went to Fort Bragg, was assigned to the S-4 section, which is logistics. Very uninteresting, except for we had an inspection, and our major said that for the inspection, we had to put all of the paper clips pointed in the same direction, (laughs) (laughs) which we did as good soldiers. Anyway, since I knew how to game the system, if you will, because I had learned that at Red Tape School, uh, I learned that there was going to be what's called a levy of men from uh, Fort Bragg, Cy War Center, uh, to Honolulu, to Hawaii, to the 14th Radio Broadcasting and Leaflet Battalion, and I got six others and myself put on that levy. You assigned yourself to that? Yes, uh, yes. Way to go. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. And we arrived there in early spring in 1956. This was not wartime. This was between the Korean War and the Vietnam War. In fact, it was fun to go to Vietnam at that time. 
Uh, we sent uh, crews out to do surveys of broadcasting facilities and uh, things like that. We wrote material for a tour to Thailand. We had PhDs. Remember, this is draft time, and, and, the, and most of the people who were in the unit were draftees. And we had PhDs, and we had artists, and we had broadcasters, and it was a really neat unit. <laughs> now, one of the projects they gave us was the country of Laos. And Laos, if you look at the map, is uh, landlocked by China, by Vietnam, by Cambodia, and Thailand. And at that time, the king of Laos was pro-Western, but his brother was a communist rebel, and there was concern that he might stage a coup. And if he took over Laos, then that would be trouble. The problem was that only 20% of the population was literate, mostly in French as well as local languages, and everything else was uh, hill tribe. And there was only one 1,000-watt radio station in Vientiane, the, the capital, and one printing press. So how would we talk to the population of Laos? And the solution was to drop transistor radios on everybody in the country. And the population was probably about two million, maybe two and a half million at the most. Now, at this stage of the game, transistor radios were rather large and heavy. If you may, well, you're too young to remember transistor radios. No, I, re I had a transistor radio when I was a kid. Okay, yeah. mm -hmm. But they were small. They looked yeah, well, like no, this, they, these were big. They, they were probably 8 inches by 12 inches or something like that, and they were heavy. We determined that the transistor radios of the time were about the weight of a can of beer. <laughs> How the military mind works. <laughs> so we got permission to test this out, and the Army gave us an airplane. They also had appropriate parachutes uh, that would take the weight of a transistor radio. We had heard that there was going to be a Marine detachment uh, doing uh, maneuvers in the hills up above Honolulu. And so we were on one ridge, and the Marines were coming up the other side of the ridge, and the airplane came over, and the parachute started to drop down with the cans of beer. Some of the Marines broke ranks to go grab the beer, and the officer said, no, no, they're booby-trapped. And they got all the beer, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Made the front page of the Honolulu Advertiser. It was a successful experiment. <laughs> Your tax dollars at work, right? That's right. So, so, so did the did the project happen? Did they did they fly over Laos and drop transistor radios to the not population? that I know of? But here's the story. About six months ago, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, there was a story that the Army had bought all of the transistor radios at Radio Shack something like three million or whatever they had. And they dropped them all on a city that was inhabited primarily by the ISIS forces. Under control of ISIS. Yeah. So, so the idea from the 50s is carried out in this new century. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bill O'Connell. I'm your producer, Mark Satola. And I'm Robert Conrad.
Next time, we trace Robert's island hopping from Honolulu to Chicago to Detroit to Cleveland.